0: the players who are the players who are going to be in the white house and that is as important as the promises of policy
1: what is really going on everyone hello and welcome to the bituation room podcast live from my mom's house Yep, I've explicitly asked her not to stream anything. Please, please don't do Zoom, but on Zoom right now. Yes, I got a test trying to take care of her. If I give her COVID somehow, I'm going to have to give her like six or seven grandchildren. You guys, this is so high stakes Thanksgiving is what's about to happen right now. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here, folks in the chat, folks on Twitch, folks on YouTube. Hope you guys are having an OK Sunday. And I hope you guys have liked this stream already. I hope you've shared it. I hope you've subscribed. If you're listening in the future, do we make it? You know, do I wake up tomorrow? I really hope so. Um, And also rate this podcast. Give it five stars. Just do it. Don't do the four. Give it five. Give it five. Yeah. Hit it. Hit that button. You guys, we have such a good show today. I'm so excited. Comedian John sang is here. Activist Erica Andiola is here from Raíces, Texas. Super pumped. We're going to have such a good conversation. And later on, we, because it is Thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about American myths. And what is an American myth that we hate? And what would we swap it for? Like, what would we want it to be? Not a re- Not another fake myth, but just like, what would we rather... Have happened. What would we rather our common understanding of something be? So that'll be fun. Does that make sense? Does that make any sense to, to you? Cool, cool. Me either. Um, <laughs> but yay, uh, we're here. Holy shit! The president went golfing again, looking extra old. You guys see how old my man is? Old is is just old as time. Just so why won't he die? Why won't it happen, guys? Uh, please report me. Uh, I hold myself in contempt. This is stupid. Hi. uh, (laughs) No. Okay. So uh, the president is golfing instead of conceding and packing. There's a lot to pack. You know how much gold they have to scrape off? Do you know how much silverware they have to steal uh, in order to pay for the legal fees from some of these grifters? My God. You know, Sidney Powell is pricey. (laughs) And yes, she is no longer your lawyer as of an hour ago. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, But I hope everyone's good and keeping their family safe. Like I said, I got tested and I'm trying to keep my distance, trying not to spit directly on my mom just around her. Um, Got a small little family gathering. So I feel pretty good about that. But I hope you guys are too and taking the utmost precautions. Um, I'm just going to open right up and say I'm bitching about something a lot of people were talking about this week, which is Joe Biden asking Twitter to crowdfund his transition into the presidency. <laughs> now, he put out on Twitter, this is a couple of days ago, uh, here's the deal. Because President Trump refuses to concede and is delaying the transition, we have to fund it ourselves and need your help. What? Excuse me? What? You need more money from us? Homie, really? Now, for this? Okay. So obviously this immediately raised flags for me and I was like, oh shit, our entire government has been hollowed out by, you know, corporations and uh, rats and they have completely screwed the government and uh, we have no mo- more monies. But in fact, it is that a the head of what is called the General Services Administration, Emily Murphy, she hasn't signed off on any of the transition because they're, you know, everyone there is like, you know, playing the ostrich game of how long you can keep your head in the sand, etc. Um, and so the Biden campaign can't do, and the Biden team can't do things like background checks. Uh, so I guess maybe they don't know that like some of their picks got a lot of money from fossil fuel companies and uh, lobbied for big pharma. They should know. We should do those background checks. No. But really, so, so apparently they need the money for the transition because there's no public money. And How it works, I guess, because once again, the Trump administration is just a giant civics lesson. um, Is that actually transitions are privately funded? They're privately and publicly funded, but there's no access to the public funds right now. And what I'm bitching about is like, why not ask one of your billionaire homies, dude? Like, ask Bloomberg, ask Steyer, ask one of the other people who tried to you know, become president and utterly failed and wasted tons and tons of money on. I mean, they kept MSNBC and CNN afloat, so that's tight. But like, why not ask people who've got money? Twitter doesn't have money. We don't have money. Like we're here on Twitter because we don't have money. We're just whining into the ether about how everything sucks and there's no bailout anymore and there's no more extended unemployment (laughs) benefits. But the other thing is like, and I get this, you could pull a Bernie and be like, yo, you don't want me as a Biden, as a president to go to my billionaire friends. Ergo, I need you all to do a small dollar, peaceful democratic transition fundraising. You know, like this is like, sell it to me like that. Look, you get five bucks. That's 0.005% stake in the future of this country. You know, like make it a selling point because we know you've got billionaire friends. So I'm bitching about like that whole thought process. Like was not like why? What do we, do we really have to give them the money? And of course, Biden doesn't want to sue this woman at the, you know, general administration, uh, general services administration head. Uh, She doesn't want to, he doesn't want to sue because he says that basically he wants to work with the Republicans, uh, the party that refuses to accept reality right now, completely. Anyway, we're going to see how that works out. It'll be fun. It'll be good times. Before I bring in our guest, I want to just say you can support this show right now by donating to us at TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. My little shoestring of an operation here. Very, very small, but so much love. Donate to us and we will donate a portion of your tips to, wait for it, the New Georgia Project, which is registering voters in Georgia for the upcoming special elections, of course, to hopefully take the Senate. Oh, my God. Uh, apparently 100,000 voters, new voters, need to come out for this, Democratic voters. Um, we're raising money to help them get registered. Apparently, if you want to vote by mail, you have to specially register for that, which is fucking dumb, because of course, of course, of course, it's the South, it's voter suppression. Um, but anyway, donate to us, TBR-Live, TBR-Live on Cash App, TBR-Live on Venmo, and we will donate a portion of that to... Um, to those, the, to the New Georgia Project. Wait, 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 I have something I have to bring up. Because I have to thank all the people who donated 20 bucks or more. Uh, if you donate 20 bucks or more, you get so much love from me. Vern Vartal, Sarah Wooten, Nate Cartwright, and George Brucato. Mwah! Thank you so much. You were you the best. And thank you for your donation. 20 bucks or more. You're awesome. Okay, I'm going to shut the F up. And bring in the host of Tell Me Everything on SiriusXM Progress... Uh, he's been murdered on CSI, fun fact, um, picketed by Westboro Baptist Church, got George Harrison to give his final performance on VH1, and once got Mitt Romney's advisor to call Mitt an etch-a-sketch on CNN. Wow. He's been a regular on MSNBC, Wendy Williams, Fox News, CNN, HLN, and Good Morning Britain. Please welcome John Fugelsang. John, how are you? Say it again.
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: good i just want to do the trump thing where you go say it say, oh, it, say it say it say it say it <laughs> literally one of the more annoying things you know yes, that and like putting kids in cages what's going on john I guess I'm so, I'm so,
2: i've already forgotten what trump sounds like i'm afraid because he kept saying that after election day coronavirus would disappear and now election day has come and gone and coronavirus is still here but i never Freaking see this guy. I, I mean, he's he's playing golf or hiding from the press and sending Rudy Giuliani out to do the dignity work for him. So uh, I almost forgot his voice. But yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Hello from New York City, uh, the former and future epicenter of COVID-19. And um, <laughs> no. no, actually, it's it's you know everyone's just uh, adapting like humans do. And uh, it's eating in, eating in bubbles, eating in bubbles, fighting over toilet paper. And, uh, you know, worrying about whether I've got the right beige colored bookcase behind me for my Zoom appearance on MSNBC. So pretty much, you know, same as always.
1: You got to have a guitar behind you you don't play and, like, yes. little shorts on. Like you little- know,
2: you've got to have lots of, like, bookshelves so I can spend the entire interview trying to judge this person by the books they've used as props on their bookshelves. Yeah. And, uh, no, it you know, it's 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 a crazy time. I mean, I'm I'm doing Sirius XM every night now. And... Uh, I get to be on the front lines of the trolls and you know people who don't know how to feel, and uh, it, it's scary as it's ever been. But I I have this crazy thing where um I'm insanely hopeful. I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. <laughs> but um when you look at just the sheer volume of good things that happened on election day, yeah, you know, like I know it sucks that the Democrats didn't take the Senate, and I totally get it. Um, but when you look at the fact that like the amount of representation for trans candidates on the yes. state and local level, for LGBT candidates on the state and local level. We got our first and our second out men of color in Congress uh, on this. We, you know, I look at the first black Congresswoman from Missouri, who's also the first Black Lives Matter activist in the Congress. Yes. And he is, of course, a single mom and nurse. I look at how Colorado, Cory Bush. Bush, Colorado blocked an abortion ban. Washington state made sex education mandatory. Uh Biden got more votes than anyone in history. Wait, Trump's- hang
1: on. Damn! Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sex education wasn't mandatory in Washington State. No. <laughs> what the fuck?
2: It's not. Really? Mand- it's not mandatory in most of the country. I mean, y- y- uh. you know, yeah, but Mississippi legalized medical weed. Yes. Like Mississippi's Very ahead exciting. of New York State. We saw Jersey and Arizona and Montana and I think North Dakota all le- like two red states went for medical weed. Um, Donald Trump has now got the most votes against him of any candidate in the history of American politics. He's also the only one term impeached president to lose the popular vote twice. I know it. The Senate sucks. But like, uh, you know, I've been reminding people the majority of Americans under age 15 are not white and the entire squad was reelected.
1: Yeah, so, I've, like, and expanded, got yeah, bigger.
2: The Democratic Party is getting more progressive. The country is getting younger, browner, more gay-friendly, more female. And the, crap, the shitty white guys of the 20th century uh, are getting smaller and smaller and more marginalized. And we have to take a moment to get over the dismay of our corporate media using Giuliani melting down for clickbait and realize that this is the last dying gasp of the shittiest part of 20th century toxic masculinity and yes. enjoy watching Donald Trump and Rudy completely horrify it. the GOP in Georgia. Like, like every time they gonna... open their mouths, Yay, Reverend little and little John Ostoff get another vote. Oh, thank you.
1: Sorry, this is my, I was, I had a period cramps. That's a bottle of a leave everyone's hearing. Uh, but oh, I just figured nice. that with John, John coming on the show and being so up and like happy, which is I, I, not the conceit I, no, of this I'm show. Not.
2: Happy I'm not. No, and again, I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic, <laughs> but I, I'm really over like the doom and gloom because we didn't all get a pony in the Senate. Look, I mean, yes, we'll find out on January 5th if Mitch McConnell gets a second term as president. Okay, but in the meantime- <laughs> the country's getting better the democratic party is getting better the squad like, was reelected
1: i feel like we have a f- a foot in in like 15 years in the future and a foot in like 19 like 1872 yeah you know what i mean yeah. like we're we're in this weird moment where we're in we're in no time. We're in the future and the way past simultaneously. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and if because... we can just um, cut the strings from the past, uh, cut the wagon, just let, let those wagon horses uh, loose.
2: We're trying. I mean, but the, the yeah. fact, the reality is, you know, the union won the war and the Confederacy won the union. And so we <laughs> literally have a president. Uh, the Democrats have won. The American people have chosen a Democrat for president seven out of the last eight times 12 years of that has been Republicans because of dead slave owners who demanded an electoral college. You know, like America elected a woman president four years ago. Just the dead slave owners made sure that she couldn't get the job. But like we are better and less shitty than it appears. And I wish we'd seen a sweeping rebuke of this toxic mediocrity of fascism. Mm -hmm. But I I just you know, it's just being being negative about it's boring. People need to, to realize that like karma and history play a long game.
1: So you came onto the Bituation Room podcast to not bitch about anything?
2: Oh no, yeah. I've got plenty of bitches. I, w- <laughs> w- I got plenty of bitches. Where yeah, are no, my, a- where are my bitches <laughs> at? All over.
1: Woo woo! So do I in the in the chats. What's up, guys? Um. What do you, okay, quickly, since you gave gave us a broad sort of happy look, what are you bitching oh, yeah. about? What's something that's got your goat this week? Uh, you
2: know, the re- I'll tell you, I have a curious relationship with Christianity. Uh, my mom was a nun and my father was a Franciscan brother. Um, and so I grew up admiring Jesus like anybody admires mom, ex-husband, but I've really <laughs> had it with these revoltingly fake Christians. And again, when I say that, I, some of the best Christians I've ever known have been atheists. And some of the most godless heathens I've ever known have been believers. And when I talk about the Bible, uh, I'm saying atheists need to know this stuff, too, because the media is not going to call out the Pharisees. So like this morning I was on MS and, and there was this big conversation about how now in Georgia, Kelly Loeffler, great Christian, by the way. Uh, the way that she emulates Christ in making a million dollars in stock trades while hiding how deadly the virus is from people—beautiful. Yeah. Uh, they're attacking Reverend Warnock. She had her race.
1: little WWJD bracelet, and it was like, "Sell all your stock." You know? Exactly.
2: I mean, sell your stock and give it to the poor is actually what Jesus would do. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I people say, "Well, we want a government based on Christian values," and I'm like, "Well, based on my reading of the New Testament, that means you take care of the poor, you take care of the sick, you don't start wars." And you're kind to people in prison. That's if you want the Jesus-based government. Right. But they're going after like Reverend Warnock now. And it's amazing. I was not alive to see the fake Christians go after Martin Luther King. But now the current uh, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church is getting it. And they found a speech he gave nine years ago mm-hmm. where he talked about how you can't serve both uh, God and the military. Uh, now, clearly, he's talking about the Sermon on the Seems Mount. Pretty- uh-huh. right yeah. like one on 101 like you can't serve god and when you look at the whole thing he's saying you can't serve god in money you can't serve god in you know and and the military you can't serve god in guns he's talking about how believers put god first so kelly Loeffler and her uh crack team of winged monkeys put together this little tiny ad where it just says you can't follow god and, and 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 you can't support god and the military and wow. people are flipping out about this and i'm not really surprise, you know, these are the people who don't read the, the well-regulated militia part of the second amendment. So they're good at taking things out of context, but like they're weaponizing this to scare the hell out of white people. And it's great because to me, it just shows they're this terrified in Georgia. You know, there's two democratic senators now in Arizona. They're so horrified in Georgia. And my real problems with the media, because haters going to hate Pharisees going to Pharisee, but like, (laughs) if they're going to use the word if they're going to use the word Christ for political advancement, then how much do their politics advance the word of Christ? Because these people like to worship Jesus as a God, because that's a lot easier than following his inconveniently liberal teachings. And again, yeah. you don't need to believe any of this as literal fact to, to dig what I'm talking about, because the media sure. will just say, well, there's you're either you're Christian, which means you're anti-abortion and you yell at women outside clinics or yep, you're- yep, yep, yep. Sorry, I mean, yeah. like a, a Biden's coalition proves that, that that's not wrong, but the Republican party has managed to do an incredible thing in this country. And it's, it's, it's why they stay in power. Cause we both know there's millions of conservative Christians who don't like Donald Trump, but they're single issue voters on abortion. And the Republican party got Christians to vote against everything Jesus ever talked about yep. by talking about abortion, which Jesus never talked about. And the media plays dumb about all of this.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that you're the religious right or when anyone is religious or a religious voter, automatically you're right. It's like, okay, well, uh, hates abortion and pro or like is against choice yeah. and is pro the death penalty. Yep. And, you know, like Which maybe- Jesus
2: actually opposed. I mean, Jesus overturns eye for an eye in Sermon on the Mount. In his opening gig, he overturns eye for an eye. And these people don't know it. They haven't actually read the Bible. Yeah. The average Trump Christian has a Bible that's the golden calf and the book of Revelation, and it's duct taped to a left behind book. And that's what they live by. And <laughs> I'd like to believe what you want to no, believe.
1: But that's the thing is like, you're right that, that you know, we did, I did a piece for Newsbroke, uh, my show on AJ yeah, Plus that everyone it, should watch. It, Thank it. you. I did a piece on, you know, the Christian right and sort of, we did it without making jokes about Christianity, which is, I, I as you know, as a comic who is also religious, it's like, it's an easy pot shot to just like take shots. I'm
2: I'm not religious, by the way. I'm a fan of Jesus, but not the unauthorized (laughs) fan clubs. I feel the same way about Elvis, you know? (laughs) Love the guy, the fan clubs freak me out.
1: But it's like, you know, and that's the thing is that uh, people really responded to it because we didn't take pot shots at like belief, but we just like we're skewering the actual you know far right hypocrisy, Christians. hypocrisy, and exactly and the po- hypocrisy. And so people were like, "Wow, thank you for actually like naming something that no one really names, which yes. is that there there are religious people, there are people who believe in Jesus who don't believe in this kind of like far right Christian what it, what it is is Christian nationalism. It is incredible, like fascist, authoritarian, scary." Uh, whatever. We we Great. can talk all night about this, but
2: no, but I, um, I do. I for everyone, but I just always say to these people all the time when they call my show or when I when I debate them on other shows, I say, can you cite one one teaching of Jesus that yeah. Donald Trump has ever fought for in his entire life? One teaching of the Nazarene that guided your vote? You know that that one thing Jesus taught that Trump's not the opposite of, and that's where you see. Uh, well, the Bible's like the Mueller report. You can't support Trump if you've read the second half. <laughs> So I'm just like, Jesus taught Uh, me, whether he was real or not, Jesus taught me the joy of calling out religious hypocrites. And, you know, when Tim Kaine can sit there for a two hour debate with Mike Pence and never bring up the homophobia, which is against everything Jesus ever talked about. Right. We have this bullshit uh, uh, cognitive dissonance in the country where anti abortionism and Christianity are the same thing. And Jesus was this radical revolutionary who hung out with lepers, hookers, and crooks uh, anti-death penalty, anti-public prayer, anti-wealth, never anti-gay, never mentioned abortion, long-haired, brown-skinned, oh yeah, Book of Revelation, brown-skinned, homeless, Middle Eastern, community organizing, anti-slut-shaming, Palestinian liberal Jew. So I'm like, I'm all for a Christian nation. Uh, let's start with free health care.
1: <laughs> uh, lepers, hookers, and crooks, by the way, is the name of this podcast from yes. now on. Um, <laughs> all right, with that, let's get into the week. This, y'all, is the week where. This was the week where the president kept up the charade that he won and he appears to be losing over and over and over again in this Trumpian episode of Black Mirror that the entire country is also stuck in. A full 34 lawsuits, uh, one of which confused the states of Michigan and Missouri, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, have been brought by the Trump legal team and have all been dismissed. Uh, And Rudy Giuliani is sweating out his hair dye and quoting My Cousin Vinny, a movie he says he loves mostly because he married his cousin Vinny. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In an interview, Trump attorney, former attorney, as of a couple hours ago, Sidney Powell said that the team will be filing a lawsuit in Georgia that will be, quote, biblical. And by that, she probably means 1,200 pages full of myths that Donald Trump has not read. (laughs)
2: Ha,
1: (laughs) ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. No disrespect, John. (laughs) Uh, None taken. I'm with you. (laughs) Um, Of course, this is after, and I don't know if you guys have read this, the Trump team floated the idea this week that Hugo Chavez, the very dead former president of Venezuela, was responsible for Trump's loss because he rigged voting machines 10 years ago. Right. Uh, that were then bought by a company in the U.S. and programmed to flip votes for Biden in some Bolivarian inception. Like, this is crazy, dude. And like, if socialism can do that, if really the Bolivarian revolution did that, I say, gracias, comandante Chavez, para siempre, no?, Hasta la victoria. <laughs> um, uh, BT dubs RIP to, you know, the career of Sydney Powell. Oh, yeah. The Trump team just released a statement that says she's practicing law on her own. She's not a member of the Trump legal team. She's not a lawyer for the president in his personal capacity. What the hell, John? When does this end? It's
2: like they when- fired the bass player from the band and just announced it in a tweet.
1: <laughs> yeah, so rude. We wish
2: her luck on her solo career.
1: Yeah, um She wrote like some hits or whatever But anyway, it's time (laughs) We just had like a, you know, creative disagreements
2: yeah, we 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 came together a long way. You know, we we have a, so many great memories. Back when we were a young band in Hamburg, denying election results with no evidence and telling judges we had no evidence, <laughs> but then telling press conferences we did. Boy, we bonded back then, didn't we? That's where we learned to groove together. Uh, but now we've grown out differently, and she's married a Japanese performance artist, and we're just going a different direction. It's not working anymore. <laughs>
1: Damn. I feel like that actually happened to you, John. That was so specific. You were <laughs> well, like... <laughs>
2: Happened to one band I can think of, but yeah. Uh, I mean, well, please continue because I just, I find, I find her hilarious. I find all of this so good for democracy.
1: Yeah. I mean, the idea of going out with dignity has completely vanished, right? Like,
2: this is... Why why start now? I mean, (laughs) this thing began with a, this thing began with a press secretary lying about crowd size for an inauguration and it ends with a press secretary lying about crowd size at a million MAGA march. Yes. Uh, In between, you had two other lying press secretaries that we don't talk about. Uh, You know, Trump has a choice. He can go out like a man uh, and he can have people say positive things about him in history and give up control graciously. Yeah, he could do it. He could do one thing right. Or he can still send out dozens. And I mean dozens. I'm on the mailing list. Dozens of email fundraising letters a day from Trump 2020 And try to bleed these MAGAs for another million dollars a day, promise Rudy I'll give you 20 grand of my million a day I make, and have one last presidential fleecing before he leaves and tries to fleece them all from the private sector. He's $900 million in debt, uh, and he knows it's over. So this whole thing is just, uh, and the media is kind of playing dumb about it, laughing at these folks. But again, it's another symptom of the fact that this was always a grift. Uh, not the deplorables, but the gullibles. And the gullibles are the reason. And it comes back to Christianity. The people who believe in a talking snake, but think love your enemies was just metaphor and shit. Mm. So, it, you know.
1: I think I know what that means. We gonna, I'm going to move on to the next story. Please. <laughs> this is the week where despite reaching a quarter million American deaths, the right wing is spinning COVID restrictions during the holidays as a, quote, war on Thanksgiving. Uh, the literal head of the coronavirus task force and *Made for TV* doctor Scott Atlas said that families should gather because, for some of them, this will be their final
2: Thanksgiving.
1: Like, and like, while that sounds so crass, like, how it will
2: now, Scott? It will now.
1: It is. It's gonna be if we follow your advice. And like, that's so crass, but honestly, he's got a point. Like, he's really understood the spirit of Thanksgiving because <laughs> he went on to say. Cough all over a blanket and wrap your Nana in it and then move into her home and call it yours. And she'll be gone soon enough. And that, I mean, that's a Thanksgiving story.
2: You know what? We've gone from giving the Indians blankets full of smallpox to giving our Nana blankets full of COVID-19. So it's the circle of grift or the circle jerk of life, whatever you want to call it. The
1: circle jerk of life. (laughs) It's the circle, juggle, By the way, you know
2: Scott, Scott Atlas. Like I don't know yes. how much you've messed up in your life at times. And again, like like uh, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a screw up. I'll I'll I mess up all the time in life. Sometimes in public, you know. Think about Rudy Giuliani and Borat too, and realize that's not in the top three most embarrassing parts of his fall. But Scott Stanford, Stanford's faculty just passed a resolution condemning Scott Atlas. And they said, Atlas's disdain for established medical knowledge violates medical ethics. His pronouncements are damaging Stanford's reputation and academic standing. And Condoleezza Rice, Condoleezza Rice signed oh, off on no. that and oh, no. criticized Atlas in the in the, a, a Zoom faculty meeting last night. And they overwhelmingly passed this resolution condemning him. And I'm just like, Francesca, when Condoleezza Rice says you're indifferent to human life. <laughs> That's like having Rudy Giuliani mock your social game or sobriety. It's just, it's just, it's like John Boyd calling you a bad parent. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just, yeah. uh
1: <laughs> Damn. Like there were shots fired at Angelina Jolie. What is not that her dad?
2: Oh yeah, but he's, but she, you know, he was terrible to her and- uh, It's disowned. Yeah, she's, well, now she's he's... she proves that you can rise above terrible parenting.
1: That's true. That's true. And that's why she broke up with Brad, Um, because he was being weird and drunk, maybe. We can talk about that later. Last story, because only three things happened this week. This was the week where a white child soldier who murdered BLM demonstrators posted bail after racists crowdfunded $2 million. And if there is anything that is a more perfect example of why we need the Black Lives Matter movement and prison reform, i.e. the abolishment of the prison industrial complex. This is it. Uh, And it doesn't bode well for Trump, okay? Because it means that his fans will absolutely bail him out of jail before he has time to fake his own death
2: and (laughs) that
1: is his plan right now
2: i don't know if trump's going for the epstein package i think he's just got extradition in a country you know a a retirement in a country with no extradition treaty it's
1: that it's either that package or or the el chapo package if he can get enough coal miners who still believe in him to like dig him a tunnel yeah you know and then it'll be like Yeah, he'll be, like, crawling through the sewers, like, in Shawshank, except he'll probably get stuck and they'll have to remove him with a forklift and shit, yeah. you know? I mean, fun. would you
2: trust Trump to, like, change his appearance and hide his identity and then not brag on Twitter that he pulled it off? I mean, <laughs> we worry about the wrong things. He's going to leave the White House, people. He's got to play golf sometime, you know? Like, just send three strippers and a guy with a net outside in the lawn and you'll get him. It's like, we, we don't need to worry about these things.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, John, do you have, like, a regular show or something? Because you're, like, good at this and shit.
2: Well, it's funny you ask that, uh, I had three tours planned for election year. Uh, I expected Donald Trump to be very good to me this year. And then of course they all went away. We do the, um, I do the sexy liberal comedy tour with Stephanie Miller and, uh, and over the years we've had everyone from, you know, house sparks and Margaret show and Frangela have all done that. And, uh, We've had everyone from like Lily Tomlin to Nancy Pelosi to Ted Lu join us on stage for our shows. Sorry, were... this
1: this is for Lily, not for Nancy. This oh, is, no, it's the same this with is me. This for Nancy. This Lily's, is for Lily.
2: Lily's done the show like three times. So this year we've been doing virtual shows like pay-per-view shows once a month. And nice. instead of working out the same 20 minutes every month, I have to write, shoot, perform, and edit a new 20 minutes every month. And so it's been really fun. I just did it like my life is like staying up all nighters editing uh but it's been fun to at least have another outlet
0: yeah you (laughs) know
2: comics gotta find a way like there's not there's more than just zoom shows
1: you gotta find a way I did one live show socially distanced and I felt like I was like learning it was like riding a bike
2: I saw you posted it how was it it was it was
1: great I mean people are doing outdoor shows I think it's 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 scary now you know this was in LA and before the like restrictions where, you know, uh, you know how COVID doesn't strike at night. You know how nobody gets sick after 10. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. there's a curfew now for COVID. I don't, anyway, so.
2: Well, to your Kyle Rittenhouse point, it's just like, I think it really proves what I've said for a long time about racism in America, which is that, uh, you know, uh, America's like an old couch and Trump is the black light. <laughs> yes. These yes. nasty stains have been there a long time. But Trump made them all happy and shiny, and we can see them more clearly now. And we can't reason with these people. They're beyond reason. We have to beat them uh, in elections, and we have to marginalize them. And remember that the majority of people being born now are not white, and that is why they're freaking out. It is going to be a very interesting journey between now and 2045 when Caucasians become less than 50% of the population. But thank God it's coming And in many ways, this election was sort of like voting between the old white guy who's learned from his mistakes and at least is able to say he was wrong and he's growing. And the old white guy who's disgusted you would ever suggest he was ever wrong about anything. It really is, you know, when you meet an old person, they, they, oh, grandpa's set in his ways. And I'm like, oh, so grandpa lived through civil rights and LGBT rights and the ERA movement and he learned nothing is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, maybe your grandpa's a piece of shit.
2: Yeah, the racists are always going to be there. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> Ricky Schroeder bailed him out. My God, Ricky Schroeder helped pay to bail this guy out.
1: This is the guy who was, this is that child actor from. Child actor,
2: and he, he was on NYPD Blue for years. And it's uh, like, but Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is the problem. And you nailed sure. it with BLM. They're not mad that we need a Black Lives Matter movement. They're mad that people are having a Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. They're not mad that we need more civil rights protections. They're mad that we're asking for them.
1: Absolutely. They're like, yeah, they're they're mad that people aren't happy with their shitty lot. Um, I have a
2: Thanksgiving tip for these relatives if you have to see them. And yes. I don't recommend people I don't recommend traveling and sitting in a circle and eating and laughing and talking and coughing on your loved ones. And it, But uh, just say it's really simple. I, I, I do this now when they call my show and it just it's it's uh, it's not a litmus test as a shortcut. Just say, where was Barack Obama born? Just ask yeah. him where was he born? And see what they say. Because they'll either say, uh, I don't know, he claims he was born here. You're a racist. I mean, Donald Trump lied for years with no evidence. Why didn't that racist lie bother you, Uncle Racist? Or, or they'll say, uh, I have no idea where he's from. And then you know. Or they'll say, you know, he wasn't born here. And then you can say, so when Trump came out in September 2016 and said he was, your grand venereal wizard was lying. I mean, I'm tired of letting these people get away with it. Like the media never asks Trump about birtherism. He was able to spread a racist lie for years with no evidence, still get elected. And again, the media lets every one of his enablers off. When Axios asked Jared about it, I stood up and cheered. I'm like, finally, hold these people to account. Because if you're playing dumb about racism, guess what? That's your squad.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Amen. And speaking of Obama a little bit, he's got his third book out this week. I didn't oh, definitely. do it. I didn't. I
2: read nothing about this.
1: Yeah, me either. It was weird. I was like, wow, he's like dropping it like Beyonce, like not really doing any uh, press tours. Oh, my God. Can we stop? But I I may I like I haven't even read any of his books. And I feel like that makes me a bad person, even though I have crazy critiques of Obama and really do not like him in a lot of ways politically.
2: Yeah.
1: Respect him uh as the first black president and as like you know a competent president who could like string sentences together but um i'm like maybe i should read the other ones it's should i get the? they're worth reading yeah that's what i think but uh also you like talk more about this new book because we haven't heard anything about it why don't we talk about a transition to the fact that this fucking president and the entire republican party will not concede holy shit
2: okay Yeah. I'm good. I'm going to read some remember, comments. Remember, Francesca, the more they don't concede, the more it helps in Georgia and the more it marginalizes his base because the majority of people know he lost and they are just putting on a pantomime to fleece the flock and make themselves look more silly. They're hurting the entire yeah. GOP field for 2022 and 2024 with this.
1: Amen. Let's get into it. Um, I forgot how I'm doing this. Uh, I'm. For- I forgot how I'm doing this. This is... The sitch. Here we go. Three, two, one. This is the sitch. With the Chief Advocacy Officer for RaiSis and former Press Se- Secretary for Latino Outreach for Bernie 2016. She started her community organizing experience when she co-founded the Arizona Dream Act Coalition. She then served in the National Coordinating Committee and the Board of Directors for the United We Dream Network. Her personal struggle as an undocumented woman herself with an undocumented family has given her the drive and the passion to keep fighting for immigrant and human rights. Please welcome the wonderful Erica Andiola. Woo! Hey. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, Erica, how how is everything? You are in Tempe? Tem Tempe? Is it Tempe or Tempe? Is it like the like tempe. meatless? Okay, Tempe.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm from like I'm from California. You know? I'm in say LA. Ton. Say ton. Tempe. Um very, very cool. Um, Erica. <laughs> much to say right now so much uh (sighs) trying to be hopeful for the future but can't you know the past is not letting us go even though we know you know when biden finally assumes office we're not going to go back to normal but i think a lot of people have been taking stock of the last four years and i know raices has i'm sure as well and you have what are the like let me just jump it off by saying. I feel like one thing that people get wrong is that folks are like, well, Trump never built his wall. Mm. Mm. He's built a lot of it. Like there's a lot of wall being built or reinforced or whatever. But there are lasting impacts of the Trump administration, especially when it comes to immigration. I think we all know that. What for you are like the standout must change immediate like executive a- action, executive order for the Biden administration uh, when mm-hmm. if and when he comes
0: in? yeah well let's just start with how many policies he actually changed and there's about 400 immigration policies that were changed under the trump administration in one term he uh and his buddies in the white house uh especially steve miller who was you know the biggest advocate for uh anti-immigrant laws and policies they uh changed about 400 immigration policies and so, as you can imagine, I mean, they did everything they wanted through the executive uh, with the immigration system, and you know, all through the someone, executive, right? Did anything go through Congress at all? Well, you know, funding, uh, funding sure. for ICE, funding for border patrol, funding for um, private detention centers, etc. That did go through. Both Democrats and Republicans voted for for more money, for more prisons, and more uh, military at the border. Um, And, you know, there were a few, I'm not, I honestly didn't follow too much or didn't really hear of anything Congress did on immigration, but on the administrative side, there was so much that they changed. And some things were really, you know, everybody heard about them, things like the family separation policy, uh, which is actually called zero tolerance, you know, where they separate migrant children from their parents. You know, people heard about uh, ending the Zero
1: tolerance for parents Mm -hmm. and children.
0: It was, Zero it
1: was
0: colors <laughs> just like, what?
1: The f- anyway, keep going. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it was all rooted in just like it was just evil, you know, uh, motivation. And it was it was a terrible uh, four years in general. And, you know, there's uh, the MPP or other people call it the remaining Mexico policy, which basically right. has a ton of people right now, thousands of people, waiting at the border to be able to seek asylum in this country. Um, and they're living in tents, you know, on the, you know, in, in, in the Mexico side of the border. It's, it's a, in terrible conditions. And just, you know, those are just to name a few, but, you know, as I mentioned, there were hundreds of them that that uh, we saw and that we felt every single day at Raíces, you know, just hearing um, not just new policies, but also policies that were, um, actually started under the obama administration that were strengthened and made worse by the trump administration right mm-hmm. and things like enforcement detention centers uh deportations rates all that um basically became worse under this administration
1: yeah absolutely and and now there is this this like breath of fresh air you know this moment and 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 some respite some relief i i think uh i have you know spoken to um Marisa Franco from mi gente about like what it would mean if this keeps going and 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 also just the ways that in the last four years the the Latinx community has been completely um galvanized to really get involved in electoral politics and really came out hard uh, even not necessarily for Biden but just against Trump um and and that's barely made it but it was enough so now, with this Biden administration, one thing he has said he will do is to launch an, like, an actual investigative team unit, something to find the parents of the 545 to 600 plus you know, children uh, who were separated from their parents. That's yes, we need that. Um, what else do you feel like needs to be on the forefront um, and has been on the forefront of some of the discussions with the Biden transition mm-hmm. team? When it comes to immigrant rights, mm-hmm. and especially yeah. as, as, and I know with DACA and the fifty six thousand, you know, folks like
0: yourself, mm-hmm. yeah. Look, there's there's things like uh, like what you mentioned, right? The getting these families who have been separated to reunite—that's absolutely important. Uh, DACA, you know, as a program that was. Taken away by the Trump administration, you know, bringing that back and expanding it—that's important. I do want to make sure, though, that we do start with the players. Who are the players who are going to be in the White House, Mm -hmm. and that is as important as the promises of policy. And to me, you know, I I keep saying this over and over again, but I'm going to say it again: (laughs) that. Steve Miller was one of those people in the White House who woke up every single day thinking, what am I gonna do to make the lives of the immigrant community miserable? Oh, what am I yes. gonna do to stop people from coming into the US and people getting deported uh, to other countries? We need somebody who is the exact opposite of Steve Miller to be in the White House. Not someone who's gonna be thinking since the get-go, how am I gonna please all the Republicans You know, and, and, and do all this, uh, Expand detention and expand deportations and, and do all these things so I can please Republicans to to get something through Congress. We don't we don't need that type of advocate in the White House. We need people who wake up every day thinking, "What am I gonna do to make the lives of the immigrant community in this come in this country and people who are you know wanting or or, or seeking asylum uh, much better?" So that's that's, so that's the first thing that we need to. F- who focus
1: who on. is the op- Who is the literal opposite of Stephen Miller, Erica? Like Erica is.
0: I think it might be you. I think it might be someone who wakes
1: up every day and thinking about how they can get justice for the 11 million undocumented c- people in this country. You are. That's you, girl.
0: Let's just let's put it on, on the on the record. I'm not seeking a job right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking. With the Biden administration, but I'm not looking. But I, I I I think there's there's so many people in this movement in the immigrant rights movement. Whom are not just policy experts, because we don't just need policy experts, right? We need people, again, who have the passion to advocate inside of the the Biden administration for for many issues, right, for many issues. But speaking on immigration, I think that the, the biggest challenge that we had under Obama was that unfortunately he hired, he had a lot of people in his team whom first didn't understand immigration and two who were ready to compromise as soon as he started his presidency, right? right. Um, so that's, yeah. that's, that's a dangerous thing to, to do. And, and of course we got to do everything that was harmful under the Trump administration But also let's think about, you know, what else can we do um, through the executive action to do, you know, to, to make the lives of immigrants better. And of course we're gonna push Congress, but we can walk into GOM at the same time, right? Let's push Congress to make sure that we get a path to citizenship, that we have you know, as much uh, protection and, a, and, and, and a permanent protection for the undocumented community. Right. And also let's make sure that we're dismantling the immigration and deportation machine and that we are creating um, other uh, things like DACA and uh, TPS and those kinds of policies to broaden them for more people uh, who are in this country undocumented.
2: Erica, I'd like to ask ask something if I can jump in, Francesca, um, and get your thoughts on something. I've always thought that most of Donald Trump's talk on immigration has been an absolute racket. He's someone who's hired undocumented immigrants in two different centuries because he didn't want to pay a living wage to American workers. Why the Democrats didn't make this a point against him is beyond me. But I've always Mm -hmm. said, you know, you you can't, uh, there's no wall you can build high enough that will hide America's health wanted sign. If any of these politicians were really serious, About stopping undocumented immigration, they would start arresting the white people who do all the hiring. It's basic supply and demand. And then I look at the corruption in these detention centers, like the one John Kelly runs. As awful as Obama's deportation policy was, they did a quick turnaround. They would catch you. And if you were a child, they would place you with a relative in America. They did not separate families, of course, with this barbaric system. And they deported you, but they deported you fast. Trump. Mm -hmm. And his cronies have deliberately left these suffering people in these detention centers for weeks and weeks and weeks at a cost to taxpayers of $700 per bed per night. I'm wondering how much do you think of the modern political movement against immigrants and against Mm. undocumented people is a part of the Trump grift culture? And these Mm -hmm. private contractors that are pouring in taxpayer dollars, Uh, the wall itself, which was promised Mexico would pay for this ridiculous, racist, medieval fantasy that was never going to happen. But people are making money off it. Are you optimistic that under a Biden Mm. administration, even if uh, we're, we're not pleased with with how they handle deportations, are you optimistic that we might see an end to the profit motive for being inhuman? To our undocumented brothers and sisters, who I call Christian refugees, because that mm. really pisses off the yeah. uh, racists. I call them. I never call them. They call them illegals. I call them Christian refugees. Yes. Oh my
1: God. Yeah. <laughs> Love Try it. that on
2: your local refugee. But I mean, I, I've just seen so much. it, John yeah. Kelly, yeah. these guys are making a buck off of the suffering. COVID is spreading through these detention centers, and they're still keeping them there at seven hundred bucks a night for taxpayers. Do you? Are you hopeful that we'll see a, a decrease in this kind of financial corruption over this suffering?
0: I am very cautiously optimistic. Um, maybe little less than that. And 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 you're right. There is a lot to gain from businesses, especially private detention centers. And um, you know, right now, a lot of technology companies are looking at what are Democrats going to do at the border because maybe there's not going to be a physical wall, but there might be a technology, right. you know, sort of technological wall or whatever you would say that. Um, and so to me, it's, it's it's important that we put things into context. And one is that, yes, incarcerating and deported immigrants are it, it's a business uh, for a lot of people. And two is that we we don't stop and look at, you know, the, the resources that we have in this country and help people use this. Um, you know, sort of this, people are afraid that the immigrant is going to come and take their jobs, So they're going to, they're going to come and take their social security and their, their healthcare and so on and so forth. When in reality, there's people in this country who have so much wealth and have so much, you know, in their pockets um, and, and that we're not looking at at, at at them to those are the ones who are
1: robbing you The
0: rest of yeah. American needs. Right. And so yeah. to me, you know, as someone who's, who's undocumented, who has DACA, I, I get so frustrated every time somebody comes to me and says, well, you know, you're going to come and take my my education money, my scholarships, all these things. And, and I'm like, it, it's like we're acting like there's not enough resources in this country. And there is. It's just that they are up there, you know, with the richest of the richest. Um, and yeah. it's just it's just really sad. And we need to change that. We need to change the mentality.
1: Yeah. I wanted to ask, so many questions. I mean, one through line, I think, that is really interesting about the movement that you really have been so integral to that started under Obama and um, is that white people, once again, are understand that there is a hierarchy and... Uh, they're fine with white supremacist hierarchies and violence. Um, So, so long as the person who's being oppressed is also cool with it. You know, you just stay in your lane. We know you need better, but you're never going to get any better, whether it's Black Lives Matter, but also especially with immigrant rights. And I think that the movement um, scared white people. Trump capitalized on that, but it I think something that you spearheaded was this undocumented, unafraid, a movement that was like, this is not about cowering one's head. This is not about trying to make as little noise as possible. This is about being loud and out front Mm -hmm. and reclaiming um, just how much contribution, how American we are, despite not having physical paperwork. And that's like a total slap in the face to these white supremacists who are, it's like, it's fine if you're there. Just- don't complain and don't actually want to fight and don't fight for any more rights, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, I wanted to, you know, we all know that Trump capitalized on what Obama had done, who capitalized on what Bush had done. And I sort of feel like we have to always go back to the war on terror and the ways that the Department of Homeland Security was created. Mm -hmm. Everything got incredibly militarized. ICE was born out of, you know, the DHS, do you see, like, you know, without the slogan necessarily abolish ICE, but how do we like dismantle it? Like, how do we reform it? And and we're reforming mm-hmm. and think about going back to the INS or what is what is the vision? What's that sort of like, um, yeah, like systemic vision for how to really change these departments?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we actually just released a a podcast um, not too long ago with Raices. Uh, We created our own podcast out of this specific question, uh, which was how do we abolish ICE, right? Um, It's called Homeland Insecurity. And it's it's eight episodes. And we start from the very beginning of what happened in 9-11. And right after 9-11, what happened with all these agencies, right? And what a lot of people don't know and what people don't remember is that ICE didn't exist, you know, about twenty years ago, or right. you know, before nine eleven, it didn't exist. You didn't have border patrol was not as big as it is today. Yeah, um, you know, it was under the Treasury Department. I mean, it was an entire different bureaucracy than what you have right now, and unfortunately, because there was so much fear in the American public, is that a lot of you know, people like Bush and, and, you know, a lot of Republicans and some Democrats, too, started, you know, really capitalizing in this whole sort of fear of, of the of the Muslim or the immigrant oh, yeah. or the person of color. Right. And we ended up with these agencies. And so to me, is let's start from from that point. Right. Like things were not perfect, hmm. but there was no ice. There was no, you know, this massive Border Patrol agency. And also let's, you know, look at immigration as an, as an issue that's bigger than just a path to citizenship or or the border. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, especially in the democratic side, think of, okay, uh, we're going to pass immigration reform. That means that we need a path to citizenship. That is part of the reform that we need, but we never look at what we are also, let's talk about foreign policy, right? Let's also talk about that. Like, how how are people needing, why are people needing to leave their countries? Yeah. Why are people yeah. needing to migrate in the first place? And unfortunately, whether it's in the immigrant rights movement or within, you know, uh, politicians, I, I'd never hear the conversation of what NAFTA had to do with people leaving exactly. from Mexico. What did, you know, the wars that we create in other countries, how does that push people into needing to seek asylum in, in the United States? And so,
2: All drug war.
0: It's all, all it's all connected, and and we got to start from from right. those issues um, in order for us to create a a, um, a system that is going to work for everybody in the in the world, not just in America.
1: Yeah, and by the same token, I feel like some of the conversation around Medicare for all and the stuff that you and part of the Bernie you know coalition in twenty sixteen. Started to have language that was like Medicare for all means all, like it doesn't matter whether you have legal citizenship. And thinking about that is like it's it's the kind of like radical hope that I you know stirs inside of me when I'm like oh my god, you know there's a huge uphill battle for that right. But COVID nineteen um, proved
2: it though the the pandemic oh proved light. it mm. the, yeah the pandemic proved that this is why, you know, every time they say, oh, I'm against having health care for illegal immigrants, uh, so you support letting them die in the streets, is that take then? I mean, the pandemic Mm -hmm. showed that, yes, you want everyone to have access to health care in this country, regardless of their status, because the the worker that you have hired to work on your grounds could be infected, and even if you have no empathy, purely out of self-interest, selfishness, Mm -hmm. uh, this has proven why it's so important, and I mean, I know it's it's changed everything, but I I look at how, you know, Canada and Mexico are still closing their borders to us. And I just want to say that, like, I'm so proud as an American to share borders with two countries that have high enough standards to not let any of us in. That just fills me with pride.
0: (laughs) No, that's a great point. I mean, COVID was, you know, we, we saw how important. And look, I don't I don't like to talk about immigrants just as just as like people need our labor because we are well, worth way more than I mean, our labor level, right? but
2: frontline workers and, and EMTs. Yes. Yes. That was
0: a huge, you know, people saw that and, and it was needed. And also, you know, to me, it's just when we talk about like, what are the things that we need in 2021? Once Biden takes office, one thing that I really hope to see is whatever comes out of the first bill that he's going to push uh, on COVID. Uh, with COVID relief, I really, really hope to see you know this new Democratic president actually be you know that he's also prioritizing the immigrant community in whatever push you know he he has. And there's you know there's a lot that can be done through through Congress um, in 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 you know taking that route of of, of COVID um, and. You know, making sure that he is uh, prioritizing also immigrant workers who are also very much needed in this in in this economy as well. And that's and that's the thing. Sorry,
1: my light went out, y'all. Uh, I got a I got a faulty this,
2: this, this lighting's great too. I
1: got it. Yeah, I got a, I got a knockoff ring light, and it's definitely come to bite me in the ass now. Um, but uh, I will just say that when you start to provide, I think universal benefits, it really offers a a commonality, something for all Americans. Uh, to get behind and rather than a well what are they getting that i'm not getting okay well i don't qualify for medicaid so fuck that or i'm not 65 so i don't get medicare or what about you know affirmative action which is necessary but it's so small it's like once we think about universality when we we don't means test it you don't have to qualify for it then there's something to work toward. Then there's something, we're all in the same boat suddenly, just like this pandemic, like you're saying, has put us in. So I'm like, I hope that some solutions that the Biden administration comes in with can grasp that and put us all in that same boat so that we basically just work around white people's feelings. You know what I mean? To like, you know, make the yes, this actually does help you too. It's not just like... yeah. N- like, you know, because honestly, are you going to hold out on a benefit because you're afraid that someone who doesn't have papers is getting it? Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> but quickly, um, Erica, I know you you have mixed feelings on, not mixed feelings, but that the Biden cabinet nominees so far, and I know we're, there's going to be more this week, aren't all bad. Is that correct? Um, yeah. I know, I don't know if, like, I forgot her name, but there are some cool people who've been selected. And also people like Cecilia, what is her name? Cecilia Muñoz? Cecilia Muñoz, yeah. Yep. Is not actually going to be in the same role that she was under Obama. Can you talk a little bit about the transition team or some of the nominations?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Cecilia Muñoz is one of the you know key players from the Obama administration who was very involved in defending the Obama policies. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, we were a lot of us were hopeful that she was going to be great. She was an immigration advocate, you know, back in the day. Um, But when she came in, she was defending the Obama administration on deportations and it was just terrible. And so uh, we were hoping that she wasn't involved in the new transition. Um, She is. And we're (laughs) a lot of the organizations uh, that I work with and, you know, we're sounding the alarm that we do not want You know, Cecilia Munoz to be around immigration policy, and we hope that that's not the case. But we did hear, you know, news that um, Julie Rodriguez, for example, she is um, the granddaughter of Cesar Chavez. um, Yes. Yes. Icon, Cesar Chavez. And she is, you know, an organizer. She's been organizing in California for for many years since she was literally 10 years old. And so, you know people like her um give me a lot of hope again i don't i don't know what's gonna happen and i understand politics are politics and uh you know i i worked in congress i don't know if y'all you knew you know that at all but i worked in congress for a year know you know that. back in the day yeah it was a terrible experience um organizing damn that's, yeah, that I mean, that's been what, bad when for you to be
1: like no, I prefer to go into grassroots organizing with a bunch of ragtag activists and like, you know, that's exactly uh, what
0: happened. did and, we and like, saw that. I saw that, right? It's like DC and the politics of it can just suck you in. And you have to have a really strong will and a and, and a lot of passion for what you believe in so that they don't, you know, just yeah, that they don't that, that you don't use, lose your mission. So I, yeah. I you know, I, I hope that she does the the right thing, and I hope that we see new names that are not, you know, again so tied to private companies. And you know, we talk about people who were so tied to the fossil fuels, and you know, anything, everything that the the climate activists are saying, like that's not right. Well, let me tell you that a lot of Democrats also take money from private prison companies, and I hope that we don't see any of those people going into the Biden administration, and I hope none of them touch immigration policy because it's gonna be a really big concern for us.
2: Well, they they just announced that Anthony Blinken will be Secretary of State. And um, while he's pretty centrist, uh, he has been in the past sensitive to refugee crises sensitive to what's going on in Central America with El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. Mm. Uh, so I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. that there will at least be, if not overt empathy, at least awareness of reality.
1: Are you breaking news on The Bituation Room, John? It
2: just came through, yeah. It just came through.
1: Hell yeah. Boo, boo, boo. Um, all right. I got to Google him. Everyone Google him for me because I was don't trust Secretary- John. John's was like under- a comic.
2: Under Secretary of State under Obama and um, you know, he's someone who did work to uh, who did work to ease refugee crises and at least cares about refugee crises around the world. Um, so hopefully he'll be wise enough to know that this is it's good economics and it's good morality um, at the same time.
1: It's good morality. I need on a shirt.
2: you got to sell just a, good, it's sell just a good morality. economics to them. Yeah. Good, but good morality is not enough. You know, I mean, even Jesus knew that. You got you got to have a, you got to have a miracle to make them listen about love. Dude, and, it had uh, been
1: like 10 minutes since John talked about Jesus, so... Yeah,
2: sorry about that, but I'm... He um, to just I'm, drop his name again. I guess it, but, but all of this speaks to America's original sin of racism and Christian hypocrisy. You know, yes. uh, to me, it's just the same Christian streak that said, we're allowed to keep these people in chains and still call ourselves Christian because we put up a tree once a year. I'm big in favor of shaming that hypocrisy. And the modern version of it is how we treat uh, our brothers and sisters who weren't born here uh, but we're brought here as children or have come here to seek a better life like any of us would um yeah. by these Christians who uh, I guess they think God really gives a shit about our invisible lines in the ground that separate our tribes
1: hmm. oh my god not to mention just like I don't know it just reminds me of
2: it's all the same the, the kinds of the, two, the
1: kinds of immigrants the kinds, because it it is racist, but it's also how can we use you as a tool? For example, Cuban immigrants, we're going to use you as a tool to talk about, you know, socialism and communism. Right. So that's fine. You know, we have the we, the rule where, you know, Cubans get automatic citizenship instead of um, and no one else does from Latin America. Right. And also, like, imagine if I mean, the idea of like. Israel, right? And the idea of well, we gotta get all the Jews back to Israel so that God will come back and then some of them will be saved and others will perish in fiery hell. That's
2: the only reason they support Israel.
1: What the, exactly that is the only reason, and so here you, like, you could argue refugees, exactly but you're like, that's when you care. Like suddenly yeah. when you fucking care is because this is all about your bizarro Machiavellian plan to get to heaven. Fuck out of well, here. And anyway.
2: And, and white supremacy as well. I mean, this whole notion of I'm not racist as long as we're in charge and that's going away and that's driving mm. so much of, it's not economic anxiety. I'm sorry, New York times. Yeah. I can't wait for the next 18 <laughs> part series. I've got to read to understand why the Trump voters did. They uh-huh. did the majority of poor people voted for Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. It was never economic anxiety. It was Mm. people who didn't find racism a deal breaker uh, and they voted for the guy who said he would turn away Syrian war refugees. So I'm just- Exactly. To me, it's like when I see you, Erica, doing the Lord's work, uh, whether he or she is there or not, to me, it's just like, uh, I think it's all traces back to America's original sin, both of slavery and ethnic cleansing of the indigenous peoples. And we see it playing out today in how any marginalized groups are 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 demonized for short term political gain. Whether they're right. undocumented people, whether they're trans soldiers who want to serve their country, if, but, if but you're it is everything. To- you can be made. You can be demonized to get shitty white people to get behind an agenda.
1: It, and it. I just want to say it has everything to do with devaluing work too, because yeah. we're talking about the myriad of jobs that undocumented immigrants do. Um, right, everything from waking up at five in the morning and going to work on like a chicken farm that no one else, no one in their, like no white person wants to do no person with any class privilege would ever do. Right. Like from that to meatpacking industry, which is completely immigrant dominated and Mm -hmm. has been rife with COVID right now. One of the hardest hit industries. And my God, these are the folks who should get the vaccine first. Number one are the people in those precarious situations. Um, it's two essential workers, two people who work as, you know, as doctors, as nurses and all this. And so it's it's all it's it's not only that you're utilizing immigrants and migrants for your political purposes, it's that you don't actually value the work they do because you don't value work in general. Like mm-hmm. you fucking don't. You just don't. Anyway, Uh this all sounds like myths about immigration. So we're going to bust more myths in our final segment, which we always do a new segment. That's our tradition on the Bituation room, which is new segment. Um, This is myth swap. And thank you for the super chats y'all. I see them. And thank you Erica for breaking that down. Um, My God, come back on this show. But before you leave, I want to ask you, What is a myth that currently exists in American life now and American culture that you would change, that you do not want anymore, and then you would swap for a different myth? I can go first because I'll just give an example. So there is a myth in American culture, which is that Vietnam veterans, when they came back from Vietnam, were spat upon. It never happened, but it was a myth. It was a story. It's like... It's like the razor blade and apple on Halloween. Yep. That never yep. happened either, but it just got perpetuated. I think Michael Moore talked about this. Well, in this great documentary that came out in like 2007, height of the Iraq war, um, this documentary called Sir No Sir about war resistors inside the military. They talk about how like in Rambo, they depicted like a Vietnam veteran or, or he was a Vietnam vet and he got spit on. And he's like, I got spit on me. I get and they they called me a baby killer, you know, whatever it was. And uh, that's the best Stallone you'll hear ever. Um, I would replace that myth that instead of an anti-war demonstrator spitting on the Vietnam vet, uh, an an anti-war demonstrator spit on Henry Kissinger's face. And it just like a loogie dropped off of his face. No, no, sorry. That a Vietnam veteran spit on Henry Kissinger's face. There we go. So that a vet, instead of getting spit on, actually spat on Kissinger, and uh, and you know it took him hours to get it off. He inhaled some of it. It got up his nose. It was just a very big, angry loogie on Kissinger's face. And that's my myth that I want to change. What do, what do you guys got? <laughs>
0: wow. Oh. Ah. Let me see. So okay, I have one. Um, I have. So the myth is that all that immigration is a Latino issue. Actually, it's kind of yeah. two together. That immigration is a Latino issue, and that all Latinos are brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of goes hand in hand. <laughs> and um, they're rainbow colors. You're like, I'm going to replace it with super rainbow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the the first one is that. We come from all over the world, obviously, which is kind of like no like no shit, right? Like immigrants come from all over the world and the world has many different shapes and colors and people from all over you know the, the place and, and we're so diverse. And so why is this important, Rose Real Quick? It's because we are also erasing the fact that there's also black immigrants and uh, black immigrants in so many ways get even even worse. Than, than people who are like my skin color or lighter, yeah, right. Yes. And so that's super important. And also that not all Latinos are are brown, and that's also important because everybody right. believes that it's like. First of all, like if you're an immigrant, you must be a Latino. If you're a Latino, you must be brown. And so I I just hope that (laughs) people are really kind of thinking a little bit more about that and dissecting it because that also has an impact on policies and and culture and the way that we talk about immigration and the way that we talk about Latinos and the way that we talk about, you know, even black folks and and others who are not, you know, who don't look like me. Amen. Absolutely. Love
1: it. Beautiful john
2: well i have so many you know i was gonna i was gonna say that my myth was that America is a christian country but i, I think i've already burned that that stash um <laughs> you know my i mean my favorite myth is is the george washington as a child chopping down the cherry tree and saying i cannot tell a lie because it's a lie and it's so perfect for uh all of american mythology but what what i'm really tired of uh is this line i hear from the the candace owens is and such um when they come out and say... Uh,
1: Owen's oh, eye. Mm-hmm.
2: The Lincolns, the Republicans freed the slaves. Republicans freed the slaves. And Democrats started the KKK. Oh, and God. we hear this all the time. Um, all the this, time. All, all the, the time. time. Because in the bubble, this is reality. And they venture out of the bubble and say this, and we shout them down. But some of us don't actually know how to delineate that particular bit of disinformation because it was liberals who ended slavery. Yeah. Conservatives who wanted to keep it. Conservatives who defended segregation. And in fairness, it was liberals of both parties who wanted segregation. Liberals of both parties who propped up Jim Crow for many years. LBJ was a racist. And that's the great irony. Irony is the one religion that will never let you down, by the way, that that it took a racist to become to what, the Turg- Civil
1: Rights. what Thurgood
2: Marshall called the best president for Black people of my lifetime, and and he was a racist, so it could happen. Yeah. So as much as I want to say, you know, uh, uh, that America's a Christian nation is my favorite myth. it really is this persistent disinformation about the Confederacy, because when Donald Trump, you know, came out and said uh, there are very fine people on both sides, and. Everyone flipped out. The right wing folks in the bubble came out and said he didn't mean the white supremacists. He just meant the rest of us who were marching in Charlottesville to defend the statues of white supremacists. Like literally the whole march was defending white supremacy. So I just say, if you ever hear someone say this, uh, ask them who's defending the Confederate flag now. Are those liberals defending it? Uh, And so, you know, that's 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 my favorite myth. Um,
1: Absolutely, the, the not understanding the the history of your own party is like ridiculous. Like, or well, the
2: disinformation under- about it, you know, it's and the willful
1: disinformation and knowing that your party, your party went out of its way to become more racist. Like it, it flipped, it completely heel turned because of that. Yeah, I had a, I said something like, you know, like let's not, like let's not equate left and right wing like uh, violence. Like, the left wanted. Or like, yeah, the right started the KKK and the left wants to give everyone free health care or whatever, exactly. something like that. Or no, the, the sorry, the left gave you the weekend. The left yeah. fought for the weekend. The right fought for the KKK. And then people,
2: were like, the Democrats started the KKK. Always like, been the right. Always been the Yes, the Democrats it's, used to be right wing. And that's it why the hate party. Right. That's why they hate Robert Byrd. They say, oh, Hillary's meant to a racist Robert Byrd. And it's like, well, I know you guys don't believe evolution is possible because of your warped Christianity, but Robert Byrd was a racist and then he renounced his racism, became liberal, devoted his life to atoning for it. The NAACP honored him when he died, but mm-hmm. people who don't mind racists out Robert Byrd to call Hillary Clinton a racist. And in reality, the only racist they hate is the one who renounced racism. And Became a liberal, they never <laughs> you, are angry at the never mad at that. Ronald Reagan what? made a segregationist chief justice of the Supreme Court in the 80s. This is recent, Christ history.
1: Fucking, dude. Reagan was the worst. Okay, uh, we got to end the show at some point, but here's what I will say I think that the LBJ example gives us hope for Biden. Yes, look, Biden might not be perfect at all, but you. If there is a movement big enough, if there are people demanding it inside and outside of Congress, you can make even someone like LBJ sign the Civil Rights Act. You can make Biden sign something like a Green New Deal, abolish private prisons uh, and detention centers, Uh, pathway to citizenship, but so much more. Erica Andiola, you're wonderful and amazing. Please follow her work and follow her on uh, Twitter, which I, I had your handle somewhere. I don't know. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Follow Erica on Twitter, Erica. Any last plugs? This
0: podcast that that we must listen to. Any any other? Well, definitely listen to our podcast, "Home on Insecurity," um, and find all the information that is needed to understand how we can dismantle immigration. Uh, it's not immigration, sorry, ICE, uh, and. Also follow Raíces, and Raíces, if you don't know how to spell it, just look up how you say roots in Spanish and you'll find it. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where I do all my work, the organization that I work with, and, uh, you know, support us and definitely always uh, follow our calls to action because, like you said, we have a lot to organize for, and it's not going to happen without the organizing on the ground. Thank you so much, Erica. Come back very soon, be well, and
1: have a good turkey day or whatever. Uh, and... I just want to say it's so amazing how, you know, Erica's an organizer. Cause when I was like, would, what do you have to plug? She was like, what, what you want me to be promotion, self-promotional now. And John and I are like, yeah, this
2: is, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to sell merch while you're here? Do you have any merch you want to plug? <laughs>
1: <Exactly>. <laughs> John Fugel saying you're the best. Thank you. It, this has been a long time coming. Holy shit. I'm so yeah. glad you said yes.
2: Long time fan. First time suck up. You know how it is. <laughs> I love your love. I love everything you do. And uh, and yes, this oh began goodness. with me trying to trying to bum rush you to get you onto my show. And some, somehow I'm here uh, and it's a real delight. I just think you're such a great broadcaster. And you I mean, you're the kind of person that I've never been a Democrat. I've never belonged to a political party, but you're the kind of person the Democratic <laughs> Party should hire um, because oh, you God. can. Nah, you can tell the truth in an entertaining way. And that's that's the trick. And I, I love I love your show. I love what you do.
1: Thank you so much, John. People thank who've you. ever seen my stand-up know it's a terrible idea. Listen to Tell Me Everything on SiriusXM XM with John Fugel saying, be so, so, so well. Take care. And thank you all for being here, you guys. And thank you for your super chats. Oh my God. Dope guests agreed. Harish Ram- uh, Ramaya, thank you so, so much. And everyone else, thank you for your tips. TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR Live on Cash App. Once again, new Georgia project. We gotta register these voters. 100,000 voters, got to get them out. 100,000 more voters, I think, than came out in November. <sighs> I didn't mean to whistle that deeply into the microphone. Um, you guys, thank you for being here as always. Have a great week. Keep your loved ones safe. I don't have a clip to end this evening. Um, so you just get me and you just get this and you just get the dope guest that we just had on. Um, and you get these words. Don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Kelly Carey on the other side of the stream here, to Dorsey Shaw and to Becca Ruffer as always. Bye, y'all.